theyeshiva.net. Okay, I see the first comment is to be or not to be. That is the question. To be a yesh or not to be a yesh. That is the question. Very well said. So let's continue. Vuhaltman, we're up to Umikolze Yuvan, the paragraph that starts in Mikolze Yuvan, page 87. Mikolze Yuvan. You see, Page 87 on the top. Okay, it's important to remember what we learned before, so those who don't, or even if you do, refresh it, you could go back to the previous classes. We gave, I think, two or three classes, and two classes, no? And you'll be able to, Monday and Thursday, two classes, and this is the third one, and you'll be able to review everything. When we call the Yuvan Gamlin in a clip is Everything that we explained will give us an understanding of the concept of klipa, which means shells or husks, in the beginning of the Bria. Meaning, the kamoy shehe mitzad ha-bria lefnei ha-chet The way they were initially during creation, before the mistakes, before the sin of Adam and Chava, there was no mixture of Toiv and Ra, which we'll see what that means. And because of that, it means they did not have a relationship. They did not get mixed in to holiness. Since the concept and the reality of Klippa, the way it was created in the beginning of creation, everything is a divine reality, is a divine creation. So even the Klippa is also a divine creation. Klippa means a husk, a shell. But the way it was initially, as we said, is like the clip of a fruit. The the idea of a clip of a fruit is it doesn't oppose the fruit. It's not an enemy of the fruit. It's not trying to ruin the fruit. Not only that, it's not even trying to conceal the fruit. Forget that it's not trying to oppose the fruit. It's not even trying, on the contrary, it's trying to protect the fruit. It wants the fruit to be successful. It wants the fruit to be able to be protected on the tree and to be able to mature and to be able to grow and then be able to mature and ripen without interference of all of the possible invaders that could cause the fruit to die in utero, so to speak, to die when it's still developing. So the whole purpose of the clip is to protect the fruit. Because of that, it's also outside of the fruit. It's not mixed into the fruit. On the contrary, it's the wall, it's the boundary, it's the partition, it's the mechitza between the fruit and the world that's outside the fruit. Which is also why, as we explained yesterday, when we eat the fruit, we discard the shell. It now fulfilled its purpose. 
And now it's time to say bye-bye. At a previous stage in the development of the fruit, the clipper was essential, it was vital. Fruit would not survive without it. At this point, it becomes a barrier to eating the fruit. You have to get rid of the banana peels in order to eat the banana, or the orange peel in order to eat the, the, banana, the orange. Or you have to uh, extract the kernel from the chaff, which we call threshing and winnowing and selecting. By the way, these are all uh, famous melachis of Shabbos, labors that are prohibited on Shabbos after your harvest. There's something called dosh, making piles, but then there's dosh, threshing. There's zoyre, winnowing. They would throw up, you know, they would throw up the, the stalks and the lighter part because of the wind, the lighter part would separate from the heavier part. So just chaff would fly away and the kernels would come back down because they're heavier. And then you had to select, that's called boirer. And only afterwards do you have your pure kernels, which you can then grind into flour. And of course, knead with water and turn into a dough. And knead the dough and then bake. Those are basically the first 11 malachis of Shabbos. 39 malabas of Shabbos. Those are the first 11 after planting plowing and planting and harvesting and making piles and you have the threshing and so threshing needs to do with animals the animals would come and and trample and step on the on the chaff on the stalks and the animals with the weight of their feet they're 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 they're, they're stepping on it they're trampling on it would begin the act of separating and extracting that's what dosh is mefarik extracting the kernel from the chaff. Why don't you just keep it in the chaff? And the answer is, it's a clipper. Is it purposeful? Very purposeful. If not of, if not for the chaff, which is the psalis, which is the clipper, which is a shell, which is the husk, uh, the Gemara calls it in Saita, Zkan Hashibolis, Sosalishabulta, Rashi writes, the beard of the stalk. <laughs> when you look at a stalk of wheat on top, it looks like it has a lange bard, a nice beard, right? It's like the, the, the chaff, the shell that protects it, and it looks like hairs that come down. It's all there to preserve the kernel from the various elements of a scorching sun and of a heavy rainpour a downpour of a heavy rain, and all of the other elements of the weather would continue, would destroy the kernel. So the chaff is here to protect it, but it's outside of the kernel, and therefore it's very clear what is the kernel and what is the clipper. And the clipper is there to assist, to protect, and then at some point you discard the clipper. So the clipper is never in the space of the kernel itself, and the same is true with vegetables, and the same is true with fruits, and the same is true with legumes. And all vegetation and produce. This is a metaphor, a physical metaphor, and a manifestation, not just a metaphor. It's a manifestation of clipper in the ideal world. There's clipper physically of a fruit. There's also clipper of the soul. There's the clipper of the world. Those things that cover up the fruit, but the truth is that they're really here to protect the fruit from the various dangerous elements that can destroy it. The example of that in Avodah Hashem was what we call yeshes. What's yeshes? Yeshes is the sense of 
self in a good, positive way. A healthy ego, self-esteem, inner confidence. You say, Einoid Movadai, everything is divine. There is a state in life where the I is not seen as an I. The I is just an extension, an expansion, a manifestation of the divine I. That's a very deep place of Avaidas Hashem. The beginning of it is building up that yeshus, that sense of, of self, which you might say is separateness. It's this separateness, which we call klippa, but it protects the fruit from a Yetzirah, who wants you demoralized, who wants you depressed, who wants you broken, who wants you crushed, who wants you to feel like a quintessential shmata, who wants you to be able to feel that you're not a success story and you'll never be a success story. And this is a great recipe for paralysis, for stagnation, for depression, for laziness, and of course, for all types of addictions. All types of addictions are distractions of the pain which we're trying to numb because to be present in my reality is too painful. And we all have that in our own way to a limited degree or uh, to a smaller degree or sometimes to a larger degree. So what were the clippers betchilas habri in the beginning of creation before the chet? So he says before the chet, there was no taruvas taivara. There was no mixture. It was very recognizable. The clipper was extremely recognizable for what it is. Because since their entire raison d'etre is to protect Kedusha, and protection is outside of the thing itself, the guard, the security stands outside of the fortress to be able to make sure that the invaders don't come in. The epidermis of the person, the skin, is also a clip. It's also which protects the cells inside the body of the foreign invaders that want to penetrate the body and often do penetrate the body. So the first defense, right, the first line of defense in the human in human biology, it's incredible how it's created, is the skin, the epidermis, that every invader has to come to the skin and say, Shalom Aleichem, and we have to decide, the security on the outside of the body has to decide whether you come in or you don't come in. Unfortunately, the viruses are very smart and they know how to manipulate their way in, especially through the eyes and through the nose and through the mouth and so forth. So it's very clear what is the inner, what is the outer, and what protects what. So he says, Hainu, and this is in Yiddish. Now, my morum was said in Yiddish, but usually they're written in Hebrew, Lush and Kaidish, because that's the language of writing. But sometimes the expression in Yiddish that was said by the Rabbeim was so rich that the writer left it in Yiddish. So from the perspective of Kedusha, it didn't even know that there exists the Metzius of Klippa. Kemaimer, as it says in Kabbalah, the Arizal says, the space of Klippa was below all the worlds initially when the world was created. In other words, it had its space. And because it had its space, on one hand, it was not evil at all. It was not an opponent for holiness. It was not a cover-up for holiness. It was a protector. It was like security. It was like the shell of a fruit, like the chaff of a stalk of gray. 
And because of that, there was no mixture of Taiver now, because the protector is always outside. So in the world of Kedusha, he said he didn't even know about Klippus. Didn't even know it existed. Kedusha was Kedusha, the internal world, and Klippa was outside of it doing its function to protect. And that's why the Arizal says that Makam HaKlippus, the natural place of Klippus, was under all the worlds. Below all the worlds. We don't mean geographically and physically, but conceptually. What happens through the sin of Eitzadas? There is now a mixture of Taverna. The good and the negative, the positive and the negative, oneness with the divine and disharmony with the divine, fragmentation. I told you, I think, many times the word Ra we translate as bad, evil, which is accurate, it's not dishonest. But the source of the word, the real meaning of the word in Lashon Kodesh, what does the word Ra mean? Ra, word Ra means broken. Many of you learned uh, in Baba Kama, you'll have Kaisel Ra'ua, a wobbly wall, a shakily wall, a shaky wall that's not, uh, it doesn't have a good foundation, it's not strong, it could fall at, at any moment, God forbid. That's called Ra'ua. In Kaihelis you have it already, in Ecclesiastes. Shleimah the writer of Kehela says, I have seen everything under the sun, hevel, it's vanity, ur'us ruach, ur'us ruach, which means a broken, a broken spirit. Or in Tehillim, tiroyem bechle barzo. Um, he breaks them, break them with, uh, with uh, metal weapons, metal utensils. So what's the definition of ra? In its origin, ra means brokenness. What does it mean, Broken. I'm broken, you know, like yachats, you break them, you break the, the matzah into two. What does brokenness mean? Why am I broken? Broken means I'm separate from the whole. That's what Ra means. The origin of Ra means the sense of separateness. The sense that I'm not one with the whole truth. There's a lack of harmony, there's a dissonance, and a lack of alignment, a disalignment. And that's the definition of Ra in its origin. Its manifestation is on so many different levels until very brute and sometimes grotesque manifestations of Ra. Evil as we know it, and human vocabulary we say, this is evil. But you can trace it back to a more subtle form of Ra, and yet a more subtle form until all the beginning, the beginning, what is Ra? Ra is a certain sense of disharmony. There's disalignment between my reality and reality. My reality, my perception of reality and reality. Disalignment. What happens with the Chet Eitz is this Taruvis Toivera. Toivera now not just near each other, but they're mixed into each other. Mixed like a Taruvis. It's Pashat becomes a aggressive Cholent, a big Cholent. And he explains... What happens now is that the klippa is directly receiving direct nurture from holiness to the point that they're mixed, as will be explained. And he starts explaining. It's explained in Kabbalah. The Kabbalah describes that the beginning of the sin of the tree of knowledge is that Adam started to gaze. He looked at the place of the clippers. We learned before 
as Darizal says, Klippus was below all the worlds. So it had its own space, and Kedusha wasn't even aware of it. It's not supposed to be aware of it. But other Marish, in, in his curiosity and his inquisitiveness, was enticed. Adam and Chava were enticed, based on the uh, information of the snake, to take a look at the place of Klippus. Just to take a look. It's called a tourist. You want to see what's going on. Adam wanted to see what's going on. When Adam and Chava looked there, they became connected to. They already have a relationship. Till this point, Adam didn't even know there exists clippers. You know why? Because all the clippers were below the worlds, as explained. So as he said in the Kedusha, Garnish Givust. In the world of Kedusha, there's not even an awareness, a cognizance that Klippa exists. Klippa does its thing, Kedusha is its world. And in the world of Kedusha, there was a lack of awareness of it. But Adam chose to look, to look at the reality of Klippa. Once he gazed, he also became connected. Why? Because a person is a pnimi. This is very, very, very powerful, very deep. A person is a pnimi. If I see something, if I know something, it becomes part of me. I can't detach from it. Whatever I know about becomes part of my experience. It becomes part of my inner reality. That's what it means. A person is a pnimi. Baltani explains in Torah and Parshas Bereshis, a mimer dedicated to the Chet Eitzadas. He said, the Nachash said, When you eat from this tree, you're going to be like God who knows good and evil. This is the eights that gives you das, it gives you knowledge of taivarna, good and evil. No, great. Knowledge of good and bad is not such a bad thing, <laughs> right? You would want people around you to know good and to know bad, and to know the difference between good and bad. Eitz das taivarna. Adam, to know taivarna changes everything. Because, as the Balatanya puts it there, you can have malachim, angels, or other spiritual beings who know things, but as he puts it there, their yidiya is bederech makif. They could know things, and that thing that they know is not part of them. There remains a separateness between them and what they know. An adam is a pnimi. What I see is internalized. What I know becomes part of me. A pnimi means that I'm internally connected with everything I know. The connection could be on different levels. But the moment Adam Arishan looks at the Klippa, the moment Adam Arishan knows about the Klippa, that knowledge affects him or her forever. That becomes part of my human condition. The concept of de- real detachment by a person is not possible. Not because of our lowliness, but because of our greatness. Whatever the person sees, the person will find in himself or herself. There is a, a, a pnimi is the relationship. The Adam is a pnimi. 
A panimi means somebody who internalizes. And therefore, when Adam looks in the place of the clipper, this seeing, this inquisitiveness, this awareness, this knowledge already changes him. There's a hispilus ba'adam. It affects him. And now there is a connection to the clipper. It's not just, I saw it. I saw it. And it becomes imprinted in me. And that's the concept that Toiv and Ra, Kedusha and Klippa are now mixed. They are intertwined. They are interconnected. The eights is a tree where Toiv and Ra are mixed. So the eights is an eights. It's one tree where they're mixed. Now Adam looks at it. Adam sees it. Adam observes it. Adam looks. It says in Kabbalah, he looked at the Makam Aklippus. He went for a tour. He wanted to see it. That observation now becomes part of him. So now the Klippa is mixed into his identity. And now Klippa has the ability not to protect, but to oppose to become a substitute for holiness. Before the mix, they were outside of the realm of holiness as we explained before, like the shell of the fruit, outside of the fruit. And they didn't have the concept of holiness in them. So therefore, they also didn't have the energy to oppose holiness. They were what they were. On the contrary, a protector. Once there becomes a mixture of taruvas, now the ra is mixed into the taif. The klippa is now mixed into the kedusha. What's klippa? What's kedusha? It's not clear anymore. The clip is not a clip anymore. You see, as long as clip is clip, it's good. A shell is a shell. A banana peel is a banana peel. We don't have anything against banana peels. We like banana peels. And at the right time, you discard them and you throw them in the dustbin. We like the shell. We like the, the layer that covers over a watermelon. And the layer that covers over a cantaloupe, and the layer and the and the husk that covers over an avocado, and pumpkin, and a squash, etc., and the chaff that covers over the kernel, because it identifies itself as clipper. I am the shell. I am the husk, and that's it. I'm actually here to protect you, and in the right time, just throw me out. What happens when the clipper gets mixed into the kedusha? Now it's not identified anymore as clipper. Clipper means a shell, a husk. I'm not a shell. I'm not a, I'm the substance. The substance is the reality of it. And now the shell defines itself as a substance. You don't even know the difference anymore. You don't know what's what. The Vesnish was is toiv and was is ra. The ra is mixed into toiv. The toiv is mixed into ra. What do we mean mixed in? Mixed in is like in halacha. You have taruvas, right? Lach belach. You pour a cup of milk into a chicken soup. And it gets mixed up. You don't know what's the milk, what's the soup. The soup has the taste of the milk, and the milk has the taste of the soup. And one is dairy and one is deli. You got a big problem. Unless you have what's called bitl. It's nullified. In other words, you don't have enough to impact the taste of the soup. 
That's what Taruvis means. We have Hilchas Taruvis, the laws of a mixture. There's different levels of mixtures. There's something called Lach Velach, Yavish Biyavish. Yavish Biyavish means a salad in a salad. It would be like an apple of Truma into other apples. We learned a few weeks, we have a whole share about Bittel, right? The apple of, a, of, of, of that you're not allowed to eat, into apples that you're allowed to eat. So it's called a salad mixture. Salad and salad. Yavish Biyavish, dry and dry. Over there, it's a different type of mixture because the taste doesn't actually get mixed in. The apple doesn't become part of the other apples. You didn't crush them all and make a compote and mix them all together, but it's still a mixture in the sense that you don't recognize what's what. That's one level of taruvas. Then there's lach belach, liquid in liquid. Let's say non-kosher wine gets mixed. You have non-kosher wine and it gets mixed into kosher wine. So now what happens? It's not just you can't recognize it. That became one new entity of wine. That's called lach belach. Or soup and soup. When you cook things together, you cook things together, so now the liquid mixes them all. They're now a new entity. It's a new entity. So there's different levels of taruvas. And you have a different maimarim of chassidus. Explains, it's a fascinating discussion. In your day, you have so many different types of mixtures, right? You have lach belach and yavish beyavish and yavish belach and lach beyavish. Again, generally solids and solids and liquids and liquids. And they're all reflections of the sp- spiritual different types of mixtures that exist between the toiv in a person and the ra in a person. But what happens now when there's a mixture? I don't identify anymore as klipa. The klipa now could take over the substance. That's what he's saying. So now the klipa operates on the same level and on the same frequency of kedusha. Before the chetet sataz, the klipa was klipa, the kedusha was kedusha. On the contrary, the klipa was very beneficial. Now you don't know anymore. It's all mixed up. The Klippa speaks as Kedusha. And the Kedusha could see itself as Klippa, and the Klippa could see itself as Kedusha, and you don't know what's if you're coming, you don't know if you're going. What was once clearly a shell and a husk, only there to protect and ultimately to be discarded, now could take over and it becomes the substance itself. And the moment it becomes the substance itself, now the person is completely confused. And this is what happens when Adam looks, looks, because when I become aware of something, it becomes part of me. There's no, there's a very rich, very rich idea of the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. There's no such a thing by a human being knowing something without it affecting you. You know, you understand this? An angel, yeah, an angel is a makif. An angel could know about things without that affecting him. If a person knows about something, I could say from Heint Bismargen, it's not affecting me. If I know about something, it's part of my inner reality because a person is a pnimi. Everything we take in with a pnimi is. The concept of detachment of makif, which means I look at something and there remains an absolute gulf and an absolute distance that doesn't exist by a person. Of course, everything is relative. But knowledge is not just power. Knowledge is experience. They say knowledge is power. Now we're learning knowledge is experience. By a person, the awareness of something means it's already part of my inner experience. There's no turning back. So now I have a challenge. This is where Avedis Habirurim begins. What's Birurim? Birurim means the work of selecting. Why is the, what do you have to select? What do you have to separate? But is separate because the two got mixed. And when the two get mixed, this starts Avaidah Sabiruru. So therefore, 
the whole identity of Klippa changes. Why? It stops calling itself Klippa. It doesn't see itself anymore as a husk. A husk knows that it conceals the fruit, and therefore you don't eat it. You discard it, and you get to the fruit, and it's there to protect. The moment the clip is not identified as clip anymore, now I start eating it. <laughs> the problem is I get sick from it. I don't feel good from it because it's not made to eat, but I don't know the difference. So I have to deceive myself that it's also edible. So that only increases the challenge. This is the concept. Apply this in Avaid in a person's life. so we now have to apply this all in Avodah Hashem. Every concept, if it's not applied to life, it remains flat. It means we didn't get it. Remember, a person is a pnimi. If you see something, it changes you. If you know about something, it changes you. If it didn't change you, you didn't know it. It's also true in the very positive sense. When we learn about something, it has to change me. Something has to wake wake up inside of me. So therefore, you learn about Eitzadas, about Taiv, about Ra. What does this mean in my life? How does it change me? What does it mean in Avaita Sasha? If it's just words, Klippis, Ktusha, Tachas HaOlamis, Taruvis Taivira, Chet Eitzadas, Makif, Pnimi, etc. I'm not getting it. If I would know it, it would change me. Because <laughs> the two are not disconnected by a person. Everything we know about becomes part of my inner reality. That's how it is. So let's now see the next step in Avaida. I'm just going to take a uh, break for questions. Let's see if there's questions. Leonardo will answer them. Reb Aaron asks the following question. So Toiv was in creation first, and Ra is the usurper. Does that mean Toiv has a greater power? I think it does because of the marshal of light that dispels a lot of darkness. Yeah, absolutely. The halachas of Taruvis and Kashrus is deep Kabbalah. That is true. It's also deep halacha. <laughs> Every, everything in Torah is a synthesis. But all the halachas of Kashrus, all the halachas of Taruvis are physical manifestations of the laws of the mixture of good and bad spiritually. That is 100% true. Next question. It was said that before the Chet Eitzadas, Kedusha and Klippa were separate and distinct. The Chet caused them to become mixed. Any relationship between the fact that before Har Sinai, 
heaven and earth were also separate, but after that they merged so that each mitzvah, a mitzvah object, could become susceptible to holiness. Like Yaakov's sticks, it says in Zayar, were tefillin, but they weren't holy, and our tefillin becomes holy. So that's a separate concept. Maybe it's connected, but it's a separate concept. You're asking about a second shear. Okay, so after we finish this shear, I'll announce about the second shear. We're going to be going for around another 15 minutes or so, 15 or 20 minutes, and then I'll announce, because today I'm going to be giving a second shear, but I'll announce that after. Okay, let me just look at chat. If there is a... Let's take a look at chat, if there's any questions. So let's now go further inside. Explain this whole concept. In Okay, I already learned it inside. Let's explain. When a person has yeshes in the beginning of Avaidas Hashem, it's not called Taruvis Tavira. On the contrary, it's good, it's fine. It's the clipper that protects the fruit. If afterwards, in middle of the Avaidah, the Avaidah is now causing yeshes, the Avaidah is bringing more yeshes. That's called Taruvas Taivira. The Ra is now getting chios from the Taiv. It's it's becoming a parasite that's feeding off the Taiv. What is this? The Avoida itself is causing Yeshus. Your Avoida Hashem is creating a sense of hubris, of, of pompousness, of arrogance. He says, then this is not a good thing. On the contrary, this Yeshus that comes from Avoida can degrade you. And that's what it says in Svarim. The Be'er Hetev writes in Arachayim, Shulchan Aruch, you see footnote 24, Hilchas Talmud Torah of the Balatanya, that sometimes through my Torah and through my mitzvahs, I can add chiyos to klippa temporarily. It says you should still do it. A person should always learn and do mitzvahs because you're doing a good thing. But my state of consciousness could sometimes cause that my Torah itself increases the energy of the clipper. Now, this this needs explanation. What does this mean? The Gemara has a famous expression that a person could learn Torah, If I merit, the Torah becomes a medicine for life, a samchayim. If I don't merit, the Torah could become for this person poison which is an extraordinary halacha. I once heard from the Rebbe, he said, Nasa loy The Gemara is not saying that the Torah is poison, chas v'shalom. Nasa loy For this person, it could become poison. For this person, it becomes toxic. You can have sometimes a medicine that is, saves lives. It's an incredible, incredible power. But for this person, under these circumstances, under this, with these conditions, this medicine, which is incredible, or vitamin, could become a, a, a terrible, it could cause catastrophe. Not because the substance is a destructive substance. Because under the circumstances, this unique combination for this person in this situation could become, God forbid, lethal. What does Zacha loy Zacha mean? Literally, Zacha means he merits. Loy Zacha means he doesn't merit. But Zacha, the Balatanya says, Zacha comes from the word Zakos, Zach. Like Shemen Zayizach, refined oil. 
כדי לתארנו, מקליפוסנו, מדמוסנו, כדי לזכי חייסנו. זיכוך means to refine, to crystallize, to fine tune, to, cl- to create clarity. So zacha means somebody who's refined. Loi zacha means somebody who's not refined. What's missing is the zakos, there's no refinement. And this is what we're describing, how to apply this in Avaidah Sashem. He says in the beginning of a person's Avaidah, very often the Yitzhahara comes to you and wants you to feel like a piece of garbage. And the greatest argument is, as we learned yesterday and two days ago, Miani Umani. What am I? Who am I? How dare I think that I could become an Ayved Hashem? I know who I am. I know how unsuccessful I was. I know how unsuccessful I will be. I know all my flaws. And the Yitzhahara makes sure to dig everything up. And sometimes you don't have to dig so deeply because we each have our own flaws and our failings. And therefore, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is you amount to zero. Or as we say in Yiddish, bupkis. And as a result of that, how dare you even think that you could serve God? And not just do what God wants, but become an Eved Hashem. Eved Hashem means you actually serve Him. Serve Him means you have an impact. The servant does something. He accomplishes something. He does something for his master. The master is affected by the servant. Do you really think that applies to you? Do I really think that applies to me? That language of the Sahara causes stagnation, demoralization, paralysis, melancholy, depression. And one way of combating it, or maybe the way of combating it, combating it is what he calls abisala yeshes. <laughs> What's the yeshes? Yeshes is you have to be able to accentuate your value, your significance. You have to be able to fight for your self-esteem. You have to be able to say, I matter. I am significant. I am important. In that, ta- in that context, those words are vital for Avaidah Sashem. They are the prerequisite. They're protecting the fruit. They are the clipper that is protecting the fruit. Because there is a scorching sun and there is a powerful rain pour or coldness or snow. And the frostbite will destroy the fruit. Or in the summer, the hot sun will destroy the fruit if it doesn't have a shell. What does this mean in Avaidus Hashem? We once learned a Maimir in Megillus Esther, Vayika Chaman in Torah by the Balatan. What does he say? He says, this world has a scorching sun. There is the passion of addiction, the passion of gluttony, the passion of promiscuity, the passions that are associated with so many dazzlingly brilliant, attractive, and appealing different tivers, different addictions in life that it's very easy to sell your soul to. And then there's the opposite, the cold weather. The cold weather is the apathy, the indifference. I become cold to avoid this Hashem. Either I become overwhelmed by passions and addictions to things that are destructive or insubstantial, or I become the opposite, lazy, indifferent, apathetic. I just become cold. I'm not driven by a warmth, by a passion. I'm just driven by a coldness, by an apathy, by a sense of indifference. For both of these weathers, you need the shell, you need the chaff. And it's a fascinating interpretation. The shell protects you from the cold weather, and it protects you from the scorching heat. 
The plant needs rain. The plant needs sun. If there's no sun, there's no photosynthesis. If there's no light of the sun, you're not going to have glucose. You're not going to have the sugar that feeds the tree or the plant or the bush. But the heat can also destroy you. And the same is true with rain. Without rain, without water, without the roots receiving the nutrients of the water, it can't grow. But again, a downpour or a cold weather, a frostbite, can destroy you. This is, what is this in Avedis Hashem? The Yetzirah either gives you intensive heat or intensive coldness, and both of you cause you to lose the plot. So what do you need? You need the clipper. What's the clipper? The clipper protects the fruit. And the clipper speaks in the language of, I am significant. I matter. I will not sell my soul to the devil. I will not waste my days and nights. I will not live a life in which there is a gluttony or addiction or superficiality. No, I will not be lazy and indifferent. The person has to be able to appreciate the value and the significance. And there is a sense of, I matter. And that is, he says, vital in the genesis of a person's growth in Avayda Sashem. It's extremely, extremely important. Because valueless and insignificance is the breeding ground for laziness, for depression, for melancholy, for stagnation, and for a lot of other negative things that come with it. That's why he says, when you have yeshes in the beginning of Avoide, that's not Taravus Taivira. That's actually very good. <laughs> that's like the fruit growing with the shell. It's wonderful. Because this shell protects the fruit. It protects the peri from decomposition, from destruction, from all of the invading forces that will destroy it, and there's plenty of them in life. Where is that Taravus Taivira? He says, this is when the Avoid itself starts giving you yeshes, this is already a new condition. This is now when my Avoid Hashem turns me into an arrogant person. Avoid Hashem turns me into an arrogant person. I now use the Torah that I know, or the mitzvahs that I know, to develop an attitude of holier than thou. I become judgmental person. I become a pompous person. I become an arrogant person. The Torah, instead of the opposite, what was the opposite? The opposite is when a person really gets immersed in Yiddishkeit. The ultimate purpose is that you can discard the clipper. Why? Because the whole eye could become a conduit of the divine eye. Like we learned earlier. When the heart is already completely loyal. And a person completely becomes one, then kula Then the whole eye becomes subsumed in the divine eye. So that's a very deep place of Avaidas Hashem. Now it's clear the clipper was there for the beginning, and now you could already throw away the clipper. Not because you become a shmata in the middle of Avaidas Hashem, but because the eye is not separate anymore. It becomes part of the divine eye. So there's no why. It's, 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 everything is Hashem. I'm just a conduit, a manifestation of God's energy in this world. That's how I see it. Can I start over that way? I may not be able to start over that way. That's a very, very mature and very deep place of spiritual consciousness. I start off with the clipper, but the clipper has its place. And then you grow into 
discarding the clipper and getting to the fruit itself. What's the danger? The danger here is suddenly I get yeshes from Avaidus Hashem. Instead of the Torah and the Yiddishkeit and the mitzvahs refining me to the point where the eye becomes smaller and smaller because the eye is now a conduit for the divine eye, sometimes it's the opposite. The Torah itself turns me into an arrogant person. My Yiddishkeit itself turns me into a grubber mensch. Now the Yiddish guide itself becomes brute. It's like the religion. The, the religion itself becomes a toxic force. And this, he says, ooh, this is what the Balatanya says in Hilchas Talmud Torah, and it's brought in Paiskim, that sometimes when I'm learning Torah, the Torah gives more chiyas to the klippas. Why? Because now my klippa took over. <laughs> it's now nurturing chiyas from the Torah itself. Suddenly, my arrogance is now justified by religion. You understand what's happening here? Now my arrogance is divine. <laughs> it's like divine arrogance. Instead of my eye becoming subsumed in God's eye, you know what happens? God's eye becomes subsumed in my eye. That's it. <laughs> Instead of my clip is slowly being discarded for the pnimius, for the essence of truth. What's the essence of truth? Harmony, oneness. What happens? Now I use the divine to justify my own, my own, my own toxicity. Now the klippa penetrates into the kedusha. There's no boundaries anymore. In fact, I don't even think it's klippa. It's like my arrogance. It becomes holy. I, I can't even see the difference anymore. And this is a great danger that can happen. A person learns Torah, and the more they learn, the more arrogant they become. And the less refined they become, and the less sensitive they become, and they have the knowledge to back them up. And other people who are more sensitive don't know the difference, and they become uh, uh, they become lost and impressed by this person's knowledge or by this person's religiosity, when really a lot of this person's knowledge and religiosity is feeding forces inside of them that is really clip of forces, they're cover-up forces. So they, they're learning holy Torah, but the way the Torah is impacting them and the way the Torah is influencing them and the people around them is that it's actually Maisif Chayas Beklippus. The Torah, temporarily, it can all come out because it's holy Torah. Torah remains holy. But it's Maisif Chayas Beklippus. That's what the Be'er Hetev says in Shulchan Aruch, Erechaim, Tafkofayin Aleph, and Hilchas Talmud Torah, Peter Dalit. And I have to become aware of this. That's the concept of Loi Zoch, Amasir Loi what happens now? What happens now is that the Klippa now penetrated into the Kedusha and it's now feeding off. It becomes a parasite for the Kedusha itself. This is a very uh, a very important concept a person has to become aware of. You know, I see it sometimes in life. People begin with a process of... of uh, a certain self-importance and confidence, which is a prerequisite to Avedis Hashem. But one has to have the sensitivity and the refinement to understand that Elikus, godliness, is about oneness. It's about bittel. It's about the idea that we're all one. There's a harmony. And when I'm growing in my Avedis Hashem, but what is growing more than anything else is my sense of egotism, and self-centeredness, what happened now? 
the clip and now penetrate it into the Kedusha. It's now feeding off in, and the Kedusha is actually increasing the clipper. On the last line, on 87, the last line, Now we'll understand, we started in the beginning of the Maimed, the Medrash says that Chetei Tzadas is compared to a Hedeg Nefesh, to a killer, to somebody who takes a soul. Now we come back to that concept that every chet creates a mixture of toiver and which means the energy that belongs in Kedusha is now feeding Klippa. Klippa had its own energy, but where was its place? Outside of the fruit. It was the protector. It was the chaff around the kernel. Now the chet, beginning from the chet Hadas, when Adam Arisha looked to the Makam Klippa and the Klippa became part of him. Now he doesn't know who he is anymore. Now I can't distinguish between the Kedusha in me and the Klippa in me. It's not clear anymore who's what. The moment you have clarity, what voice is what, you're already in a fine position, and ultimately then the Klippa will only help you. But the moment I don't know the difference, now it's a big challenge. Now let's really understand this in our own lives. Especially in today's times when we're already at the end of the Avedis Habirurim, of the Klippa. So this becomes extremely important. We all have different voices in our head. We all have different voices. I don't know about all of you, but I know about me and at least of some people. Some voices are voices of Kedusha. Some voices are voices of Klippa. <laughs> question is, which ones are more frequent and which ones are more loud? When you can identify what's what, if every thought would come with a label, okay, the thought comes, here comes Kedusha. Then comes another thought, and the thought comes with a label. Here comes a thought of Clipper. <laughs> okay, that wouldn't be an issue. This is a thought of Kedusha, the thought of Clipper. And you know what actually would happen? It would become clear that the thought of Klippa is actually here to help you out. It's here to make you aware of certain things, to make you deeper, to make you more cognizant, to make you more sensitive. It's like a shoifer. It's sounding its alarm to make you aware of certain realities that you have to work through. The Klippa would actually become an assistant to Kedusha in so many different ways. It may be telling you something that's important for you to know, for whatever reason. But the voice of Klippa, if it came with a label, and the voice of Dush would come with a label, that wouldn't be an issue. I, it's Klippa, that's fine. But it says it's a Klippa. I don't have problems with banana peels. I don't have problems with walnuts, with the, with the shell of a walnut. I have to crack it, okay, but it's protecting the nut. Don't eat it. Your teeth are not going to like that, but it's protecting the nut. I don't have a problem. We don't have a problem with Klippa. The problem that happens through Chetei Tzadas is it doesn't come with a label. Now Klippa is Kedusha, Kedusha is Klippa. Klippa says, I'm really Kedusha. I'm the essence. I'm the substance. And let's apply this to life. You're having voices in you. A, 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 a voice inside your head tells you something. If you can identify this voice is a coming from the place of harmony, of oneness, 
of my infinite alignment with God. This voice is coming from a force that covers up that reality. That reality is eclipsed. You're good. You're, you're pretty good. You're doing well. This is the pre hate world. You're good. That clarity is a pre hate Tzadah's world. And we have the, both of those voices. Not only that, if you look deep into that voice of Clipper, which comes with the label, you will see it's not your enemy. It's actually your protector. It is your protector. Every single voice that comes into your head, even if it's a voice of Clipper, is here to give you a gift. And that gift ultimately is here to defeat a Yetzirah, which can deprive you of that gift. So any voice that comes into your head, if you can give it the right label and identify, this is holiness, this is Klippa, this is coming from my harmony with divinity, and this is coming from Ra, meaning this is coming from brokenness, you are winning a game. You're winning the game of life. Why are you winning the game of life? Because that clarity and lack of confusion and lack of uh, blurness and fog, when you don't have the fog, it's very clear. So I just had a voice that came into my head and it told you that this voice came into my head and it told me something very, very aggravating or it brought up a deep trauma or it speaks to me about my helplessness or it speaks to me about how angry I am, how frustrated I am, how everything is going bad, how I can't trust, whatever it is. But if I can identify it, kishmak, kishmak, it could tell me so much about my childhood, about what my struggles are, about what I have to work on, about things I have to enhance. It can teach me so much about things that I'm afraid of. It can teach me about pitfalls where I should not go. It's a great protector. It's actually a vision. It's a, it's actually something can add to my vision. That's not a problem. And like the muscle in this mimer, he speaks about the clip of arrogance of Yeshus. Great. If it's, it can help you defeat the Yetzirah, who wants you to tell you, wants to tell you you're nobody. The challenge of Chetet Sadas is the Taruvas. I don't know what voice is what. I don't know if this voice is Kedusha. I don't know if this voice is Klippa. I don't know. The Klippa now suddenly becomes Kedusha. The Klippa is now feeding off Kedusha. It says, I am Kedusha. I'm not Klippa. Oigeval. Now my decisions are coming from toxicity. My decisions are coming from trauma. My decisions are coming from a place of the lack of harmony. And that becomes the substitute that takes over my inner, divine, infinite core. Because there's no separation anymore. Once there's no separation, now the clip penetrates. It's like the virus. It penetrates the cell and it uses the cell to replicate itself. And before one knows it, the whole body is filled with millions and millions and millions of cells that are destructive cells. Because the virus abducted the cell. And the cell doesn't know the difference. That's Mamash an example of this. The fact that this virus is everywhere in the world, wonderful. And there's bacteria everywhere in the world, yeah. And there's also healthy bacteria. I guess bacteria is a better example because there's healthy bacteria. The problem is it penetrates. And now one doesn't know how the distinction anymore. One doesn't know the distinction anymore. Now the clipper becomes Kedush. 
And now the chiyas that belongs to Kedusha is being fed to the klippah. And now the klippah becomes much bigger and much larger than it ever was. It never even thought that it's so big. But it's getting so much energy from the Kedusha because I'm completely confused and I don't know what's what. And as a result of that, my clip is now revived and it gets a new lease on life because it abducted the healthy cells. Now the Kedusha is feeding it. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. And what's the avoid of Birurim? The avoid of Birurim is to be able to see that, to be able to be mevara, to be able to extricate, to be able to separate, to be able to label. So now let's finish this paragraph. Now we understand what the Chetet Tzadas is, the concept of Hoyrig Nefesh. Because Taruvas Toivera means the energy that belongs to Kedusha goes to Klippa. So Shoifech Dama Adam Ba'adam. He spills the blood of man in another man. We already spoke about the unique uh, language of this Pasek. Shoifech Dama Adam Ba'adam Dama Yishafech. I told you, it's one of those Psukim where the first three words and the last three words parallel each other in a, in a reverse fashion, like a mirror. It's called a mirror image. Shoifech dama adam, right? It's mamish like a mirror. But adam dama yishafech. Which is a very fascinating concept. What does this mean spiritually? Shoifech dama adam adam. I spill the blood of man into another man. What does it mean to another man? I steal. I become a parasite. And I take your blood... And I feed it to the wrong Adam. What does this mean? The Dama Adam is the Kedusha. The blood of man is the life force of holiness. Hachai is the Klolus The cosmic life force is called the blood of man. The universe is man, is a person, is a large person. The human, every person is a miniature universe. The universe is a large living organism. Did you ever notice? That every, basically the idea is that every single body is just a reflection, it's a replica in miniature of the whole universe. And that's why we see parallels. For example, when we study, this is a very, very fascinating idea. When we study the atomic structure and we see how an atom works. So you have the nucleus of the atom. And when you have the electron evolve, revolving, revolving literally around the nucleus, that really is a replica, it's a picture in miniature of what happens when we look at the galaxies and we study the solar system and we watch how it revolves. The sun revolves around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. We're not getting into those details, but basically it's it's a larger structure of what's happening on the atomic level. Why is that? Because it's really one living organism. The whole person, the whole world is called an Adam. There is the individual human being, and then there's the living organism that is alive. And therefore everything in a person you're going to find in the world, and everything in the world you're going to find in the person. We have black holes, and we have the Milky Way, and we have the sun, and we have the moon, and we have all the planets, and we have the galaxies, and we have the stars, etc. And of course, we have everything on the planet, on our earth, on our own planet, on Earth. So he says, Chai is the Klolus the cosmic life force of all the worlds, and the whole evolution of all the worlds, which all comes 
from the Ur HaKav. Ur HaKav means the light of the Kav, the line of divine energy that sustains all the world. It's called the Kav. On this it says in the introduction to Tikkun this flow, this flow of energy is like a soul to the body, the Ichaim, which gives life to the body, just like the Neshama is the life force of the body. The world has a Neshama. The whole cosmic universe has a soul that gives it its flow, that is its Chiyos. And that also is blood. Our blood that allows our the oxygen and the nutrients to be able to go to every cell to the body and give it life, that's a reflection of the cosmic soul, which is the blood flow in all of the worlds, in our world and all of the worlds. Through sin, a person spills the blood of Adam of Kedusha, the divine cosmic energy that sustains and vibrates and vivifies and animates and gives life and blood to all of the worlds, including our entire cosmos and our planet and every individual creature, but it's all from the Chius of Kedusha. This is called Dama Adam, the blood of man. Which man? Not just individual man. The whole world is called a large man, a large living organism, a large person. And all the worlds together, which are live, living by the dam, by the blood, by the soul force, by divine energy called in Kabbalah, Ura Kav. And what did I do now through an Aveira? I spilled that blood. I took that blood. Like Chas V'Shalom, when somebody stabs a person or perforates the person's body. And now the letting of the blood, the blood flows. But Shvich Dhamma means that the blood flows, oozes. And spurts out of the person. And here, what did I do? Every chet, I'm shayfich dam. I spilled the blood of the Adam of Kedusha. And I brought it into a reality, which is a substitute, which is a fake reality, which substitutes holiness. In the place that is really a husk and a shell that covers up and eclipses the truth. But... It doesn't tell me it's eclipsing the truth. It doesn't call itself Klippe anymore. When Klippe calls itself Klippe, that's the Tikkun of Klippe. When it doesn't call itself Klippe, then it's not Klippe. <laughs> then it's taking from Kedusha. There is a confusion. That is Taruvas Toivera, the confusion between good and evil. It's that confusion that does us in. It's that confusion that does us in. It's other Marishan now cannot distinguish what is Klippa, what is Kedusha, and Klippa is feeding off the Kedusha. That is the Chetet Sadas. That's what I accomplished. That's what happens in every sin. In every sin, I'm taking energy. I'm taking my neurons, my, my, my neural pathways, the energy that belongs in my brain, my soul, which is really Kedusha, and I'm feeding Klippa with it. Every single sin does this. It's taking the Dam of Shoifich Dam Adam Be'adam, putting it into another person. Ultimately, Dhamma Yishafech too. His blood is also going to be spilled because I have to take it all out from the clipper. That's the idea of cursing the name of Hashem. Somebody who curses the name of God dies. So literally, halachically, what does this mean? Somebody who is he curses Hashem's name and there's witnesses and there's a warning. Like the story at the end of Parshas Emmer, the son of Shlomo's Bas, Divri Lamate Don, who cursed. 
and that person was put to death, that's halachically. But now let's go spiritually. V'noikiv, what does the word noikiv mean? Somebody who went off from the course, from the path of harmony of oneness, which is Avera, Avera means I move away, Hever, I move away. I go off the beaten track of the divine. What happens? This is called derech havayet, the path of Hashem. V'shamru derech Hashem. There's a derech. When I go, that derech is wide. Very, very wide. It, that derech includes the whole cosmos. But if I go away from that, I create a puncture, a hole in the name of Hashem. Noikiv Shem Hashem really means nekev. I puncture the name of God. I mean, I puncture the name of God. How do you puncture the name of God? Shem Hashem represents Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. This is the symbiosis between the divine energy and all of the vessels of our world. It's the integration between the divine energy and the body of the world, just like the soul and the body, the blood and the body. And the blood animates the body, the divine energy. Shem Havaya is what animates the world. Venoikiv Shem Havaya means just like when I puncture. I stab the body. Titus stabs the paroiches. And what happens? And now the blood flows outside of where it belongs. And it gives chius to the clippers, which are the realities that become a substitute for the truth of oneness and harmony. Before the Chetet Sadas, this didn't happen. What's the result of Noikiv Shem Havaya? Moisumas, the person dies spiritually. What happens when a person loses too much blood? Or when blood doesn't reach a certain place? The person can't live anymore. When the person punctures the name of Hashem inside of them, Moisumas, doesn't only mean physically, it means spiritually. Now the person is living a substitute life, like a person who's living by addiction. They're not alive. They look like they're alive. They're not alive. They're not. A, there's complete disharmony between themselves and their lives, because the person's entire personality is being used to feed destructiveness, death. The person is now detached from their own source of life. That's why there's so much misery and unhappiness because you're not one with your own oneness. That's the concept of Moisumus. And then it doesn't begin physically death penalty. All the punishments in Torah are psychological symptoms of what you're doing. The physical punishment is very secondary. When somebody punctures the name of Hashem inside of them or inside of the world, the blood, the chiyos that belongs in the realm of Kedush of Harmony is now being fed in the Makamaklipas. That's what happens with the Chetet Sadas. Of course, the purpose ultimately is that blood has to be taken out of Adam. That's the avoid of Birurim where ultimately we identify what is Klippa, what is Kedusha. And then we rediscover how the clip is not an enemy of the Kedush, on the contrary. And then we go to a place that's even deeper than before the Chetet Sadas. Because before the Chetet Sadas, they were completely in two different worlds. And after the Chetet Sadas, there is the transformation of the clip. And that's the era we live in now, where we, we, we have to be able to have clarity, what is Kedusha, what is clip, and ultimate clarity that all of clip is here, to be transformed into Kedusha. Let me take some questions. 
I hope you typhus this. This is uh, pretty heavy stuff. Did the Chavra got, got it? I don't see anybody to know how much you're getting it. Okay, questions. What happens when the Yitzhahara uses the same argument in the middle of the Avoida and we start to feel man yubani? <laughs> you're right, very good. So that's, you're not in the middle of the Avoida. In middle of the Avoid, it doesn't mean here in time. It means it's a concept. You understand? Middle of the Avoid doesn't mean, okay, I started to learn. I'm in middle of the middle of Avoid means when a person reaches a place of inner transformation, that's called the middle of the Avoid. If I'm in the middle of my learning and I'm again feeling like a nobody, that's called I'm in the beginning of the Avoid. Meaning in terms of my spiritual development, I'm in a place where I sometimes just have to speak about my importance. And that's fine. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But what is Yiddishkeit in its core? Yiddishkeit in its core is Bittl. It's oneness. Einoid Mulvadeh. That's what we mean, the beginning of it, the middle of it. It's not an issue of time, morning or afternoon. It's an issue where I am in my spiritual state. Sometimes my whole life I'm in the beginning of Avaida. <laughs> what do I mean? I'm always struggling with this issue. Do I matter? Don't I matter? Do I exist? Don't I exist? But there's moments of Avaida Hashem where... I lose myself, not because I'm a shmata, but because I'm part of infinity. That's a different type of bittel. You understand? That's not a Yetzirah bittel. Many of us have seen scholars of Torah who have been condescending and pompous, etc. Okay. (laughs) You have to surround yourself with good people. It says that Torah can become a source of negativity in certain circumstances. Some use Taita as an axe to which, by which to chop others. That's a tragedy. I'm learning from this that when we sin, there's consequences like other Mauritian. Look what happened when he sinned, what effect it had on the world. So how and where do we deal with our big grubbish sins that we do? We just said we need the balance. How do we find that? How do we do it? How do we deal with the big grubber sins? Well, listen. Let's not forget the concept called tshuva. The same God who says not to sin also says if you sin, you do tshuva. And tshuva means you experience regret for what you did, you apologize, you ask forgiveness, you make a resolution that in the future you're not going to do it, and you're forgiven. There's an expression of Tanya in Igeris Hatshuva, Ein maskirin loy dovor v'chatsi dovor b'yoyimadin, and it's all forgiven. So that's very important to understand. We sin and we do tshuva, and tshuva is real. Tshuva is not a fake thing. Tshuva is authentic, effective. So when a person says, I have big grubba sins, as this uh, wonderful man writes, I have the big, big grubba sins. First of all, I don't know what big rubber sins you have. I know you a little bit. I don't know what big rubber sins you have. We all have big rubber sins. Every sin is a big grubber sin. You know what grub means? Grub means brute. But that's the kind, let's say you do have, or I have, we all have. We do tshuva. Tshuva means every morning, Yidavin, Slach Lono Avinu Kichatonu, Mechalonu Malkenu Kifoshonu, Baruch Hashem, Chanamar Balasloch. Al-Tarebbe says a Gewaldik Evart in Tanya, Geris HaTshuva, Chapter 11. I guess it belongs in chapter 11. He says as follows. 
you're not allowed to make a bracha and say Hashem's name in vain. It's called a bracha levatala. Let's say you have a suffolk if you made a bracha already. You're not allowed to make another bracha. Suffolk bracha is lahaka. Right? You're never allowed to say Hashem's name in vain. You have to be very careful. So if we even have a doubt that the bracha is not the right bracha to make, you don't make it. You avoid it. So many things, we don't make a bracha today. Why? Because it may not be appropriate. So maybe you do it without a bracha. There's a lot of different brachas. We're very careful. Asks the Altarebbe, he says, let's say somebody hurt you and they come to apologize. They hurt you very badly. You may forgive them, you may not forgive them. They can't be sure you're going to forgive them. They may speculate, but they're not sure. What happens if this person did you wrong and did you win hundreds and hundreds of times? And every time they asked you forgiveness and you forgave them, and now this thousandth time they're going to come again, you certainly may not forgive them, right? After so many times. So the Balatanya asks a question. He says, the person who davened for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, three times a day he says, Maybe once God is not going to forgive. So how can you say, Maybe today he's not going to forgive. And it could be a brachal of atala. Is the charayi, he says, that it's not even a sofik, or svek, 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 that Hashem forgives. It could be 60 years later and I say it three times a day and I still do the same sins, but I know I, I ask God forgiveness and He forgives. So you could say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Chanon Amar Belisloich, and it's not even a doubt of a doubt of a doubt of a doubt that He forgives. So we have to remember that. But yeah, the point of this is that every Chet has in it from the Chet Sadas, and it's an Indian of Hayrig Nefesh. But we could we we could be conscientious of how we live, and when we make mistakes, there's something called truva. So it's not it's not an Indian to become uh, when you become depressed about these things. That itself is from the Yitzhahara. You have to remember when you become depressed from these things. Dasalein is from the Yitzhahara. <clears throat> Interesting debate that happened between two great French scientists of the 1800s essentially all of the dominant mainstream Western medicine and related sciences go by the Louis Pasteur outlook known as the germ theory. Right. This is despite the fact that Louis Pasteur renounced his own theory on his deathbed and said, Anthony Buchamp was right. It's not the invading germs. It's the terrain. It's not the mosquitoes. It's the swamp that they're breeding in. Basically, the difference between a fear of germs out there ready to attack us and destroy and an attitude of creating the most healthy self to build our inner immune system. The muscle of a garden, the healthier, richer, most organic soil produces the healthiest, most robust bug-free vegetables because the bugs can't invade such a healthy terrain. The two philosophies created two different ways of viewing the world and our relationship to it. Like everything, it's not one or the other, black or white, rather a combination of the two philosophies. Perhaps the great emphasis on Buchamp rather than the accepted germ theory of Pasteur. Right, so the question is, are we focusing on the virus that invades the body? Or are we focusing on what is the weakness in the body that allows the virus to come in? The virus is the virus. But how, why does the virus find you as a good habitat, as a good home? Only because there's a weakness in me. 
And that was the big machloikas. What is ultimately uh, the essence of germ theory? Do we focus on the germ, right? Or do we focus on the host who's hosting the germ? And that is very, 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 has very interesting, interesting ramifications. Because it really means, and that's what Pastor said at the end of his life, it really means that the clipper could only become part of me because I allowed him in. If I wouldn't allow him in, he couldn't really become part of me. So it has very, very interesting ramifications. Very good. Excellent. The next question. Is this the meaning of Chilol Hashem? Wherever there's an Avera, you create a Chilol, a Chalol, an empty space in Hashem. If I'm always looking to learn for Chidushim, does it mean I'm looking, I'm searching to be Meisav Chayas and Klippa? Okay, two excellent questions. So the Balatanya writes, and this is an incredible interpretation. He says, Chilul Hashem comes from the word Cholol, emptiness. We say Chilul Hashem is desecration of Hashem. Like everything, it does mean desecration. But just like Noikiv, Noikiv means cursing, but deeper it means a, 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 a hole, a, a rupture. Chilul Hashem is, doesn't begin with desecrating. It begins, he says, Don't make a Cholol in my name. Don't make believe that there's a place where I'm not present. Don't make a cholol. Don't make any place devoid of me. Or in this in this context, it means chilul Hashem. We create a cholol in the shame Hashem because the blood now goes out. So there's like a bold spot. There's an empty space. We spoke about kairach karcha. You remember? Now, when a person is learning just to make chidushim, it could be what you're saying. Sometimes people are learning, and the whole sense is, I want to show off. I want to brag. I want to show how big I am. So the Ekmam is not in touch with Torah. Instead of Torah teaching them Einoid Mulvadoi, the Torah makes them more arrogant and more stupid. <laughs> now, I have to be careful here. The Torah itself, Chas V'Sholem, does not do that. The Gemara says, It makes him more stupid. The Torah itself becomes a source for immaturity, for foolishness. It's called Megala Panabatarish like Halacha. So, yeah, it depends. You know, sometimes it's just immaturity. You know, I have to find a chiddush, a chiddush, a chiddush. Sometimes you have chavre, they're learning Gemara in yeshiva or afbeis medrash. They're learning what? I have to make a chiddush. You don't have to make a chiddush. Understanding Gemara will be the biggest chiddush. That you can understand Hashem's Torah is the biggest chiddush. <laughs> no, I have to make a chiddush. So, first of all, intellectually, it's dishonest. Whenever you're learning a text and the purpose of your text is to be able to make a chiddush and slug up what everybody else said and find a new vart, you're, you're just, you're mamish, intellectually you're dishonest. But also spiritually, you're, you're not in touch with Torah. You're in touch with your own immature quest or maybe arrogant quest. The biggest chiddush is when you can understand. Yeah, sometimes when we learn there's a question on what somebody wrote and we may have a different answer. Yeah, it's it's a different approach. It's called edelkeit. It's called maturity. A lot of good questions, Chavre. Keep them coming. Let's see what else is going on here. Okay, next question. Kairach thought that he was acting l'shem shamayim. How does one identify if the thought is really kedusha or klipa? What is the process? That's a great, great question. And. I'm, there's a lot to say about that. I'm just going to give a very brief answer because it's already late. My brief answer to that is you basically have to answer this question. 
And that is, what does, what is, what does, where is this thought going to lead you to? If this thought is going to lead you to actions, words, thoughts, behaviors that are bringing you closer to your innermost values, which is your alignment with Hashem's will and Hashem's infinity and Hashem's love, those are thoughts that are Kedusha. If the thought is bringing you to a place which is going to lead to behavior, thoughts, words, actions that will take you away from your oneness with the divine and revealing that in the people around you, then that is usually the thought of Klippa. That's one very simple way of identifying it. I hear the problem. I need healing. How do I get the help I need? Well, I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but we're going to learn more, so we'll get more help. What? Okay, next question. Every 12-step program begins with the declaration, I am an alcoholic. I do not have control over my being, and I need to surrender. Yeah, because when you're a real alcoholic and an addict, just saying I matter is is uh, is not going to work because the I is completely in prison. So you have to break even a worse clipper. And the worst clip is the clipper of addiction. You it need a rupture, the fact that the person is, is lost. Because without that, you can't do anything. So subtle and so deep. More light, more light, more light, more love, more love, more love, more hope, more hope, more hope. Yes, yes, very well, and I love you. I don't understand how Torah can be toxic. Baruch Hashem. (laughs) Torah is the word of God. How can it become toxic? The Torah doesn't become toxic ever. When I'm toxic, I can manipulate and utilize the Torah in toxic ways. I wish I understood your question, but I don't, because I do know how it can happen. You're saying that someone who is so deep in the awareness, in unawareness, there's no hope. Can't God help that person? Am I being naive? God can help every person, but we have to open ourselves up to it. And when we open ourselves up to it, then God can, God certainly will show us the way, but we always have to open ourselves up to it. I see there were 24 questions today. Let me just look on the chat. What's happening in the chat? Okay, the chat is clear. So before I say goodbye to you on this year, it's now 9.04, and uh, 10 o'clock, we're going to have another shear, and it's going to be a very exciting shear for me. It's going to be a shear. Rambam. I'm going to start learning Rambam, Mishnah Torah, the Rambam's most monumental Jewish work, the halachic work. Many of you know that there is, the Rambam was divided over the, there's a Shia Rambam, a daily Shia Rambam in the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, Yada Chazaka. There are those who learn three chapters a day and they finish it in a year. There are those who learn three chapter, one chapter a day and they finish it in three years. And this is considered the most monumental work in halacha in Jewish history, written by Maimonides in the 12th century, because it includes the whole Torah, literally the whole Torah, including the halachas of the Beis HaMikdash and the halachas where Mashiach comes, and the halachas of every one of the 613 mitzvahs of Torah. That's the uniqueness of the Rambam's work, and structured and organized 
in the most unique way and unprecedented till his time and even after his time. So the Shia Rambam was instituted, Rambam was always learned, but the Shia Rambam, the daily cleansing was instituted by the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 1984. And... Uh, there is the cycle of learning three chapters a day and be, c- c- concluding in one year or one chapter a day concluding in three years. And also, for those who find it difficult, the Sefer HaMitzvahs of the Rambam. The Rambam has a short, brief book called Sefer HaMitzvahs, an encyclopedia of the 613 mitzvahs, which is learned in one year. So uh, I have been learning Rambam over the years, but uh, I got a lot of requests to uh, begin a Shia Rambam and today starts a new cycle. Actually, the 40th cycle starts today, Friday. Yud Ches Yesterday, they finished Rambam for the 39th time, those who follow the Shia Rambam. And today starts the 40th cycle. So I decided we'll try at least the beginning, see how it works out, Bezer Hashem. So we're going to st- I'm going to start today giving a Shia Rambam, uh, according to the single chapter a day. And uh, today, we don't yet start the Rambam itself. We start the introduction of the Rambam. Um, for almost a week is learning the introduction because the Rambam gives a long introduction, then he goes to all the mitzvahs, and he goes to all the halachas, and then he actually starts. So that's going to be in a few days. So today we're going to start the introduction. So I'm going to give that shir, God willing, those who want to join us, um, uh, you're welcome to join us. And we're going to start at 10 o'clock a.m. We're going to start 10 o'clock a.m. right here on the yeshiva.net. And it's going to be live. We're going to be learning the Shir Rambam. And the other days, I'm also going to give the Shir. They'll all be posted on the yeshiva.net. Some of them will be live and some of them will be uh, pre-recorded. In the meantime, I wish you all a beautiful day, a meaningful day, a beautiful Shabbos. Love you all. Hatzloch and everything. So those who wish, you could come back here to the yeshiva.net at 10 o'clock and you will see on the banner uh, uh, the Rambam class. If you want to come to Zoom, you can also come to Zoom, and we'll open it up as well. Okay, thank you very much, and have a beautiful, beautiful day. And thank you for all your questions. They mean a lot. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.